I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This story starts with a military dictatorship in Brazil and ends with an Englishman drunk at his bachelor party dressed as the Brazilian football legend Socrates in Valencia. This episode of our podcast is about the time the Brazilian football legend Socrates made a surprising appearance at Garforstown, a non-league team in England. It would be one of Socrates' last big adventures before he tragically passed away. It's a bittersweet story about a Brazilian military dictatorship, a pink dressing room, a revolution, beer, cigarettes and a struggle to find purpose in life. My name is Sam van Raalte and welcome to the Home of Football, the podcast by 433. Let's go! Back in 2004, Garforth Town, a tiny club near Leeds, was owned by a man named Simon Clifford. Simon loves Brazilian football. He successfully set up Brazilian football schools all over the world. And then he bought the football club Garforth Town. Simon even let Garforth Town play in the Brazilian colors, yellow and blue. Simon also became the manager of the club. And he was an unusual manager. He did everything in his power to get a psychological advantage over the opponents. For example, he painted the dressing room for the visitors at Garforth Town bright pink. I spoke with Greg Kelly, the club top scorer of Garforth Town at the time, about Simon Clifford's revolutionary psychological tactics. Here's Greg Kelly. Simon had all sort of tricks up his sleeve, to be honest. The pink changing room was probably the most brightest, horrible pink you could ever think of. Um, And Simon decided to change everything that was white to bright pink. So from your showers to your actual changing room to your toilets, the roof, it was literally a full pink, bright pink room. It was like there were a constant pink light on in the room. There were actually no lights on. He didn't actually need any lights because it was that bright. And and people were coming out squinting. And um, I think if you could sit in there with sunglasses on, you probably would have done. And and, and it worked, to be honest. Uh, Players used to come out and obviously used to speak to the opposition when you're on the pitch and... Just asking, what the hell is that all about? But it sort of it did put them off the game. It took them five, ten minutes. Sometimes football games can be over in them first ten minutes. You grab a couple of goals, and the opposition are, are sort of ch- always chasing, so it opens up the game a little bit more. But, but yeah, Simon's done all sorts. Got young lads kicking balls onto the pitch from from behind the fence and and things like that. But so Simon had all sorts of tricks up his sleeve, and and to be honest, 
the managers and the teams wanted to defeat Simon more than they wanted to defeat us as a team. And I think that worked in our favour um, with it with it being um, concentrating on Simon more than concentrating on what we were actually doing on the football pitch. So it actually took the pressure off us as a as a team and Simon sort of took it all on the chin and I think he, he quite enjoyed it, to be honest. So Simon Clifford painted the away dressing room pink and had boys kicking balls onto the pitch to break the momentum of the opponent. The team of Garford Town loved the song Way to Amarillo and sometimes Simon Clifford would let that song blast through the speakers in the middle of the game to give his guys a boost. One time, when Garford Town had to play a crucial away game at the end of the season, Clifford stopped the bus at the service station and let them do their warm-up there. They then waited until five minutes before kickoff to arrive at the ground. They then went straight off the bus onto the pitch, confusing their opponents about what the hell was going on. And it worked. Garforth Town won that game 1-0. Crazy things were happening at this tiny English club at the time, but nothing was as wild as the day the Brazilian legend Socrates made an appearance for Garforth Town. Here's how it happened. Simon Clifford, the owner and manager of the club back then, was passionate about Brazilian football. He became a fan of the Brazilian national team in the early 80s, and he became friends with the Brazilian player Juninho when he came to England to play for Middlesbrough in the early 2000s. That led Simon to set up Brazilian football schools all over the world. Here's the man Simon Clifford himself on his passion for Brazilian football. I went out to Brazil. Through the help of Janinho, I got to meet Zico, Rivalino, Careca, some of the heroes that I'd had. I spent time in some of the big football clubs, some of the poor areas. As a teacher, I spent the whole summer holidays there researching. And the BBC came with me, made a little documentary. And, and after the BBC documentary, my, my soccer school spread across the country, across the United Kingdom, and then eventually across the world. They ended up on every continent. I bought a football club in Leeds, um, Garforth Town Football Club. I bought that in 2003, I think. On getting the club, I wanted to create some sort of connection between the club and the soccer schools. But I thought we could really do with a Brazilian player here to sort of stress all of the good that I see that's in Brazil in terms of their football and football development. So then my friend Alex Belos knew Socrates. Uh, Alex wrote a fabulous book called Football, the Brazilian Way of Life. And Alex spoke to Socrates about it and Alex reported back to me, said Socrates is up for doing this. So Alex Bellos, a friend of Simon, knew Socrates and asked him if he was interested in coming to England to play for Garforth Town and become an ambassador for Simon's Brazilian football schools. And amazingly, Socrates was up for it, even though he was 50 years old then. Now, to fully understand how crazy this was, you have to understand how amazing Socrates was as a football player. Socrates became an absolute football legend in the late 70s and early 80s. Few players in the history of football have had such an impact on the game. And he still has today. For example, Pep Guardiola was a big fan of Socrates' Brazil. Now, to fully understand his impact on the game and this country, I spoke with Andrew Downey, the man who worked on Socrates' biography with Socrates himself. Here's Andrew. He was an activist as well as being a football player. His biography was this. He, he grew up in an upper-middle-class family in Ribeirão Preto, which is about four hours from Sao Paulo. He studied to be a doctor. Uh, and so at the same time as he was playing for the local club, Botafogo de Ribeirão Preto, he was studying to be a doctor. You know, his father was, was very well-read 
Uh, and because he had this upper class, uh, upper middle class upbringing, they were forced to study, and they were they were very they were quite educated. Him and all his brothers had five brothers. They were they were all very educated. So you know he was aware of politics and social issues and all these kind of things as a footballer. So Socrates was an educated man in the world of football, and Brazil at the time was under military dictatorship. The military coup had taken place in 1964 and stifled freedom of speech and political opposition in the country. When Socrates came up as a footballer in the late 70s, the army still ruled Brazil. Socrates didn't agree with that. When he became a star at Corinthians, one of the biggest and most successful football clubs in Brazil, he was outspoken about the political situation of the country and spoke about the benefits of democracy. There was a whole new generation in Brazil that didn't know what voting, freedom of speech or human rights were. Here's Andrew Downey on Socrates' political impact. So Socrates was this big personality. He was well known in, in, in Brazil for his football. And what he did at Corinthians was Brazil in the early 1980s was at the, 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 the end of a long dictatorship. Now, the, the right-wing military took over in 1964. And so there was no democracy in Brazil you know, for, for, for 20 years. And what Socrates did is he formed this, this group at, at Corinthians, that, and it was called Corinthians Democracy. It was a group of players, all the players at the club, plus the, the backroom staff, you know, the coaches, plus the, the kit man, plus the, the, the you know, the, the people who made the, you know, the cooks and the, and the janitors and all these kind of things. They all got a vote on issues around the club and all the players voted on football issues. So they would vote on whether to, you know, if they had a game on Sunday in Rio, they would vote whether to go on the Sunday morning or go on the Saturday night. They would vote on whether to buy a new left back or who the new left back should be. So there was there was this real kind of democracy in action at the football club, which was an absolutely astonishing thing because Brazilian football was always run by powerful characters, you know, who tended to be white and tended to be rich and who had no time for... You know, to listen to footballers who who tended to be black and tended to be poor, and Socrates would talk about these issues, you know, before games and after games, and so it brought these messages to people who had never really heard them before, and it was a real, you know, had a huge impact. No, nobody listened to the Brazilian president before he went to a summit in Washington. Everybody listened to Socrates before he went to play for Brazil in the World Cup. So it was a huge, it was a, a you know, a revolutionary player power movement. It's been, you know, 40 years now, but no major team has had the same kind of player power movement where the players voted on issues and decided on issues that, that were relevant to them. So, you know, as Lula, the, the, the ex-president of Brazil said, you know, it was, it, it's so revolutionary, revolutionary that we're still talking about it today. Socrates, along with several others, revolutionized the club and the country as a football player. Now, before we get back to that crazy little club Garforth Town, we have to shine light on the type of player Socrates was. Socrates was a skinny footballer who played as an attacking midfielder. He was known for his beard and curly hair. He always wore a headband. In the 80s, Socrates was the captain of one of the best national teams to never win a World Cup, with legendary players like Zico and Leandro. Socrates was often called the brain of the team. He was truly unique. Here's Andrew Downey on Socrates' signature move. You know, he had this style all of his own. 
his his real people really remember him in Brazil for his back heel because he said that because he was so tall and so thin that when he was a kid he 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 used to really worry about getting hit by defenders uh because the defenders were big burly guys and he was this you know stick thin you know kid and he said I learned to get rid of the ball as soon as I, as soon as I could. So as soon as the ball came to me and I saw these defenders coming to me, I would I would lay it off as quickly as possible, and and that meant laying it off with whatever part of the foot, you know, was 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 quickest. Uh, and that was really his trademark move was the back heel, and, and it was this other it was this other thing that gave him this whole kind of aura, this kind of magic about him because he did things differently. Let's fast forward to two thousand four. The eccentric manager Simon Clifford is doing everything in his power to build up Garforth Town. He wants that tiny club to become the second professional football team in the area, after Leeds United. He manages to get former Manchester United midfielder Lee Sharp to play for Garforth Town for a few months. And then he reaches out to his Brazilian contacts. Socrates, who is 50 years old at the time, lets him know he's interested. He will be coming to Garforth Town. Simon is very excited. He goes to the airport and picks Socrates up. I was delighted because he was one of my very favourite players. I was curious to know the physical condition he was in because I hadn't. there wasn't any recent pictures. We geared up for it. It was very exciting for all the kids that we had in our organisation of the soccer schools. And then the whole country got, um, got excited and I went and picked him up at the airport and I was absolutely delighted to see him and came with his wife. We got him in the car and took him to Leeds. And yeah, I mean, if I reflect back on that period... We say that Brazilian football is a happy football and Brazilian football is equated with joy. But that whole visit of his was just joyous. Every interaction he had with people, all of it, he loved it. He was, I think he felt uh, happy here. I think it was a really good time for him too. Meeting people, we travelled all across the country. Um, we went to Scotland. Um, we, were, we were everywhere. He had a very busy schedule. He and I had a wonderful time during his stay with us uh, apart from the garth of stuff we really got on as people we had similar political views we had similar very similar views on football and life yeah it was one of the happiest times of my life that time with him I, I was the only person in our group who could speak portuguese so i had to spend sort of all of the time with him you know on the, on the evening him and i would go for meals but I, I spent all of the social time with him as well and um I was very privileged to, to, to have that time. Simon is not the only one who was delighted back then. The announcement that the Brazilian legend Socrates has come to England to play for Little Garforth Town becomes nationwide news in England. The BBC announces it on national television. The legend of Brazilian football will be making his debut today for the little-known Garforth Town Football Club near Leeds. Socrates, who's now 50, captain the 1982 Brazilian World Cup side. Well, our reporter Danny Carpenter is at Socrates' new home ground. Well, it doesn't quite look like a World Cup beating ground, does it there? No, indeed, no. From the uh, samba sunshine of Sao Paulo to sub-zero Yorkshire. This Greg Kelly was 24 years old and the top scorer of Garforth Town at the time. Here's Greg on the impact of the announcement and the arrival of Socrates. Socrates sort of got got sort of dropped on us near enough the week before, a couple of weeks before, and, and it just snowballed from there. The day that Simon mentioned it, it sort of went from a quiet village 
um, to a sort of a bustling village to this signs up everywhere there were sort of news reports um, starting to filter through and then TV and Simon had sort of obviously wanted to put Gareth on the map and, and he definitely did with, with this Socrates signing um, it sort of went from zero to a hundred in, in, in a matter of a couple of days and before we knew it it was the Saturday morning of the game and, and the ground was absolutely packed I, I expected Socrates to come um, because of Simon's great Brazilian connections, but I still didn't quite think he was actually going to play. Um, obviously, you, you Google a picture of Socrates, he was sort of a, a really tall, tall man, but sort of really thin at the same time. Um, so I thought, well, he's not going to turn up like that, um, surely, um, with his, with his snazzy little headband on. But he um, he turned up, and, and when he walked into the changing room, I think everyone was like, nah, he, he can't be playing, surely. Um, we, we knew that he probably wasn't going to start, but the amount of people that had turned up, there were T-shirts, there were banners, there were scarves. He had to play some part in the game. Now, if it were a minute, 12 minutes, I think even if we were winning or losing, drawing, I think Socrates would have always, always come on. Now, there's something you should know about Socrates. He was a heavy smoker and drinker his entire career. So when he came to Garforth Town at the age of 50, he was not in tip-top condition. Here's Andrew Downey on Socrates' smoking and drinking habits. He lived in Ribeirão Preto, which is in the about four hours from Sao Paulo, and it's really, really hot in Ribeirão Preto. Uh, it's you know the temperature is frequently over 100 degrees, and and people drink beer. You know the beer is quite weak. People would drink beer to hydrate, or at least that was his excuse. Um, so he, you know, he drank from an early age. You know, he smoked, uh, which again gave him this real kind of you know, cool aura. He, he used to say, you know, one of his most famous quotes was, I smoke, I drink, and I think. And that was kind of a challenge to people who would say, you know, you should be more professional. You should, you should, you know, take more care of your body. And he said, look, this is the way I am. This is who I am. And, I, you know, I'm not going to change it for anybody. And, and and he was very stubborn in that kind of way. He enjoyed that, that uh, image that he had of being, uh, different of being cool of being contrary is really the word that I would use if if I had to describe one if I had to use one word to describe Socrates he was quite contrary you know he he would be in a discussion if someone said you know you know the sky is blue he'd go no the sky is black you know he would take the opposite point in order to get into a debate and to get into a discussion and that's what he really loved to do is he would get into to these these discussions often you know completely pointless discussions but he would you know, because he this these would invariably happen over beers and uh, and drinks. So he loved to to draw to draw the, the the debates out and the discussions out where he could have a laugh and a joke, and they would always end in a laugh and a joke. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even though Socrates was 50 years old when he arrived at Garforth Town, the impact was huge. It was a cold November evening and the opponent was Ted Caster Albion. Greg Kelly couldn't believe his eyes when he arrived at the ground of Garforth Town that evening. It was such a surreal time, really. Normally, when we turn up for a game, the, the only people that are there are sort of the odd stadium staff that either if you get you get there, the opponents might be there before you. There's an odd few cars around of your teammates, things like that. But when you turned into the ground um, this time, the whole street were lined from side to side with, with TV cameras, photographers, news crews, a lot more supporters than what there was queuing to get in, people selling merchandise, everything you could think of at a sort of high professional game at the minute, it, this was this disappeared on the doorstep of Garforthtown. Everybody wanted, wanted to try speak to you, um, pictures, things like that. It was, it was just a, such a surreal time. And sort of when we get there sort of an hour before, it was still busy when we sort of came out to start warming up um, and, and noticed the sheer amount of people um, that were stood around the ground normally I think Garth on, on a good day would potentially get maybe 200 people but it must have been 3 or 4 deep um, stood around the railings around the pitch, the, the, the little stand was full um, and my people were still trying to get in, I think the the attendance was somewhere around 1400 which for that little crowd for that little ground was was unbelievable and the the atmosphere was great and it was literally just before we we came in sort of before um before the actual kickoff maybe 15 20 minutes before we came in a little bit earlier that's when simon actually brought socrates in and he sort of went around the room wished us all good luck um give us a bit of a pep talk and and that was about it really um it was it was sort of a bit of a strange strange scenario to be in sort of getting changed and a World Cup legend was sort of giving you a bit of a pep talk before you played a, another team in your league a sort of surreal game <laughs> it just it just didn't seem like Little Garth of Town should it should be happening in Little Garth of Town <laughs> Greg is right it seemed like this shouldn't be happening in Little Garth of Town so we have to understand why Socrates did this what his life was like after he stopped playing football you see in the late 90s, Socrates became a manager at several clubs. At his last club, Cabo Friense, he tried to implement a democratic system, much like he did at Corinthians as a player. He wanted to educate the players about politics and democracy so they would take more responsibility because football players were often treated like kids, he thought. But the club was not interested in his philosophy. According to Socrates himself, 41 people voted on whether they should implement the system Socrates proposed. But Socrates was the only one who voted in favor. The other 40 all voted against his plans. Socrates left the club. Andrew Downey believes that this caused Socrates to go adrift in life. Knowingly or not, it was a real kind of blow to him that, you know, this greatest period in his life, the most important period in his life, uh, that had this massive impact you know, he kind of saw that it, it it didn't have the impact, it didn't have a lasting impact. The, the, he wanted other people to think the same way, to, 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 to act responsibly and to, to take an interest in politics, and, the, and they weren't interested. And I think he was very disappointed in that. Um, and I also think that 
you know, when he tried that, it, it was sent out a signal to other football, Brazilian football clubs, that Socrates hadn't really changed. So, I mean, one of his dreams was he wanted to, to look after, you know, youth teams and kids at, at Corinthians, which was his big, you know, Corinthians were his big love. You know, that was the team he really loved, along with Botafogo, his home time hometown team. Uh, he, he would really have loved to go gone to Botafogo and to Corinthians and to have taught the kids not just football, but about these, you know, politics and social responsibility. And I think clubs realised this was what he was going to do and they didn't want the hassle. They didn't want this. They didn't want somebody like Socrates coming in and upending, you know, their cosy little system where, you know, they were in charge. You know, people who ran football did not want you know, football players telling them how to run their clubs. Uh, and I think that was maybe a factor, you know, in 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 his, in the last years as well. And, and all these things happened and he never really, he just never really found uh, the one thing in life that he really wanted to do. So Socrates became sort of an exile in the world of football. He had a column in a newspaper for a while, appeared on several TV shows and painted but it wasn't a full-time job, a calling like he had before. That's why when Simon Clifford asked him to come to England to be an ambassador for his football schools and play for Garforth Town, he said, sure, why not? And for little Garforth Town, this was the ultimate publicity stunt. There's no bigger buzz than having you know a former Brazil captain, like a legend like Socrates turning up on this freezing cold November day. I mean, the, the thing that Socrates remembers about it is that it was just so damn cold. He was freezing, sitting on the bench in his long trousers and his gloves and his hat. He was, you know, I think he was happy to get off the bench just to run around a bit and warm up. It's peculiar, the whole Garforth Town incident, because... You know, I don't think any 12-minute appearance, substitute appearance, non-professional substitute appearance or semi-professional substitute appearance has had such an impact as as Socrates' 12 minutes for Garforth Town. Uh, and it's weird because in the UK and in Europe, you know, people often talk about it, people remember it. Socrates was a man who loved new experiences. He loved to do things that were different. Um and he had, you know, he got this offer to go and he got this offer to come to England. It was it was involved with teaching at soccer schools and and for Socrates it was it was it wasn't so much appearing for Garforth Town that I think appealed to him. It was coming to England for three weeks, you know, seeing new people, you know, going around the country, making new friends, and yeah, and I'll play football for for a game or, or half a game. I don't think he, he, he realised, I don't think he, 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 he came planning to play much football. So it was really this real unusual experience for him that, that has really, I think, in, in many senses, been completely blown out of proportion because it was just, it was just a, 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 you know, a weekend away, a laugh for him. So there Socrates was on this cold November evening, sitting on the bench at Garforth Town. Socrates was wearing a hat, scarf and a blanket. And being a chain smoker, he also lit up a cigarette. Greg Kelly clearly remembers the sight of the Brazilian legend in the dugout. He was sort of sat on the on the dugout with his three coats on, his two sets of gloves, his two pair of his hats on, his, his tracksuit bottoms on. And it, it was a cold, cold day in November. I'm sure he was sort of sat there having a smoke in the dugout, which you don't normally see, obviously, from a from a footballer at a, a semi-professional level, um, sat in a dugout smoking. But um, I know players that smoke myself and, and things like that. So it didn't sort of shock me. And everyone sort of knew, uh, and obviously 
back in when Socrates was his prime, there was a, a heavy drinking and, and smoking culture anyway. So that was sort of the norm for everybody back then. That's what they did. Um, they, went, they, they went out, they drank, they smoked, and then they turned up and played football. And Socrates was not just smoking himself. He even got the man who brought him to England to start smoking. Here's Simon Clifford. The first few evenings with him were a little bit stiff and he was trying to encourage me to have a drink. At the time, I wasn't drinking in that period of my life because I was trying to focus on the work. And so I didn't want to drink. So I'd say, no, it's okay, you know. And then, but at the end of the meal, he'd then offer me a cigarette and I'd say, no, I don't smoke. It's all right. And, but uh, maybe a couple of nights of being with him, he'd ask me to drink again and I'd say, no, I've got work and I've, I need to focus on that. You could smoke in restaurants then. So after the meal, he'd say, come on, have a cigarette. I'd say, no, I'm okay. And he'd say, hey, you're either my brother or you're not my brother. <laughs> and this sort of thing, putting me under pressure. And eventually I thought, do you know what? I'll just have a cigarette, which I had one, which led to another. And so all of our meals then, on evenings, I'd smoke. Next thing is, we're traveling up to Scotland in the car, and he passes me on, I'm smoking with him. And he said, you've now got a habit, which wasn't good. And I did, which I didn't really. I thought, well, I'll give up tomorrow, which I, did, which I didn't. I ended up smoking for about nine years, which is awful. All right, back to the day Socrates made his debut for Garforth Town. When the game starts, Garforth Town does well. They score twice before halftime and Socrates gives the team another pep talk at halftime. But in the second half, Ted Kessler Albion scores twice. Greg Kelly clearly remembers how the game became frantic after the equaliser. And then it just sort of became a bit of a dogfight then. Um, and I think sort of coming to the the 70th minute, which is, which is what I get uh, the most stick for, um, Garth of Town were given a penalty. I think it was 70, 75th minute, something like that. Maybe a little bit later, we, we got we got a penalty. Um, and, I, and I know for a fact that Simon were wanting to bring Socrates on to take it. Um, but he wasn't quite ready. Um, and me being the penalty taker um, said, well, I'll have it. Socrates is not ready. I'll I'll just take it. I'd never missed one before, and 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 unfortunately, the keeper, keeper made a really good save, <laughs> and, and and I and I missed it. So uh, it's one of them wrong place, wrong time. Um, cameras, fourteen hundred people stood around the stadium, and then I decided to miss my penalty where I've uh, I've scored plenty of them before. <laughs> Greg missed the penalty in front of the biggest crowd he ever played for, and then in the seventy-eighth minute. It was time for the 50-year-old Socrates to make his debut for Garforth Town. However, like Greg said, the game became an old-school kick-and-rush type of game. A far cry from the samba football Socrates used to play in his prime. Socrates didn't get many touches, um, but when he did, sort of a nice little pass here, there and everywhere, but it wasn't, I think he did more running than actual touching of the ball um, well, say running in and around the, the centre circle but it's sort of the, the ball and the game were sort of missing out the, the midfield so he obviously didn't um, didn't benefit from that um, and when we were trying we were pushing for the win so every time our keeper got it it was sort of a long ball t- to the attackers um, and then vice versa for them they were trying to pinch it because we were full on attacking so they were trying to counter attack so it sort of missed out the midfield and once he, he did get a touch there were nice little touches here there and everywhere and I think he managed to to have one shot uh, <laughs> I, I don't think the goalkeeper's hands would have been stinging um, it, it was on target um, the keeper saved it but you never know one day that might have gone in took a deflection it may have gone in but yeah it definitely wasn't thunderous put it that way <laughs> yeah, he, were, he were blowing a bit after the 90 minutes put it that way 
Even though Socrates struggled to make an impact and the game ended in a draw, the crowd erupted after the final whistle. Yeah, there was sort of a, a mini pitch invasion, to be honest, because everybody wanted to sort of try and get on and have a, have a pitch. It was sort of before the, the crazy mobile phone times that we're in now, but people still had mobile phones and, and things like that and were wanting an odd picture or an autograph or or anything like that. It sort of just got just got mob-handed. There was sort of TV cameras on the pitch trying to get interviews with people and, and a few of the, of the lads had interviews with national TV channels over here. But but yeah, it was sort of a bit crazy really and sort of ushing him off the pitch. He was obviously absolutely shattered. He was thrown into a bit of a dogfight. So so yeah, I think it took him, hit him for six after the game and it took him a while to, to catch his breath, put it that way. Um, Garfus had got some football boots for Socrates. So after the game, they were sort of still under his... Um, under his stool on the uh, in the box so I said oh excuse me Jim do, do you mind if you sign these boots for me and he's like no no not a problem so I got him to sign the boots and I put them in the back of my car and uh, that was the last the, ever, the club ever saw of them so they're, they're currently in my loft so I've got um, I've got a nice bit of memorabilia from the day yeah still in my boots 17 years later pristine condition in the um, in the box After the game, Socrates signed memorabilia, took pictures. He stayed around in the changing room, had a laugh with the guys. There was even a press conference with the media asking questions why and how he appeared at Garforth Town. Here's Simon Clifford on the aftermath of the game. After the game, he was very cold. We missed a penalty, which if, if he'd have got on earlier in the match, he would have ended up taking that penalty. But the boots that we had for him didn't fit him so he ended up wearing our physiotherapist's boots uh, which delayed him coming on the pitch so he'd have been been on a little bit longer so afterwards we we had to get him warm and then he wanted a drink he got a little Budweiser or something and we went into the bar met some of the supporters then upstairs spoke to the media and then we went into Leeds City Centre where some of the Leeds United players I think there was some well-known players there that sort of bumped into us and everybody seemed to be turning up to meet him it was a Fantastic evening that cap- capped off a magical day. Socrates then returned to Brazil without playing another game for Garforth Town. Greg Kelly is still often reminded of that game. People still ask him, are you the guy that missed a penalty in that Socrates game? And his best friends still joke about it, like best friends should. I got married a couple of years ago um, and my two best men actually dressed me up as Socrates. <laughs> I had sort of the, the full um, Brazilian kit on with with a huge um, black wig. Um, I think I look more a lot more like uh, Rene Higuita, the Colombian goalkeeper, than I did Socrates. Um, due, due, just due, due to the uh, the size of the the wig that they made me wear, but um, but yeah, it was uh, it got a few looks and a few laughs, and I had the the Socrates number. I think it was either eight or six on the back of the shirt, and I had the white headband on and, and everything like that. But uh, the wig didn't last very long because uh, we went to Valencia and it was uh, very warm. Them them years at Garth of Town were probably my. My, my, my favourite time in football. Um, I've made friends for life um, and I'm still friends with, with many of them now and we still sort of, of, of meet up, but it, it were a special time and yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to be, to be part of it. After Socrates, Simon Clifford also got Careca, another well-known Brazilian player, to play for Garforth Town for a while. He was even close to signing Romario and Cafu as well, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Simon Clifford tried to stay into contact with Socrates after he left Garforth Town, but that was difficult. Unfortunately, things didn't go well for Socrates after he left Garforth Town. He died in 2011, at the age of 57, 
in Brazil. Here's Andrew Downey on the death of Socrates and the way his time at Garforth Town was indicative of what was coming. Socrates died in, in December 2011. Uh, prematurely, he died essentially from complications uh, from, from, from alcohol abuse. You know, he, he, he drank, you know, if not every day, then almost every day. Uh, and over the years, it took its toll. And I think the Garforth Town incident in, was indicative of, of a period in Socrates' life when he was he, he was looking for something to get his teeth into. He was looking for something to do. He, he after he had sort of all Socrates' life, he imagined that he would play football and then be a doctor. You know. Because all his life he wanted to be a doctor. He never really knew why, but he had always wanted to be a doctor. So once he got his degree, he became a professional. And then when he finished, you know, he, the first thing he did, he went straight back into to studying medicine again to, to bring himself up to speed. And he started his own clinic, uh, an orthopedic clinic. And it never worked out for various reasons. It never worked out. And so when that didn't work out, he was kind of left not really knowing what to do with his life. And the last years of his life, uh, you know, he would go from one thing to another without really finding, you know, some project that really made him happy. Uh, and as his brother said to me, you know, when you don't have something, you know, some kind of anchor like that in your life, then, you know, bohemianism took over. And, and that's what happened to Socrates. You know, he was always, you know, he always had his drinking and his smoking and his, his friends. And that was always a hugely important thing to him. But you know, the last few years of his life, he never had a lot of other things, you know, apart from that. So that kind of took over, and I think that maybe hastened his demise a little bit at the end. Yeah. Simon Clifford was also shocked by the death of Socrates. He cherishes the memories he has from Socrates' time at Garforth Town. Here's Simon. Incredibly sad, because he was so young and, you know so young and he just had so much more to give and he would say a lot that the 82 uh, the 82 team you know they did what they did he was happy that they entertained that the artisan was important as the result but I do think there was a sudden slight sadness about him um, which may be a result of of that, I'm not sure. I think he felt unfulfilled, and maybe that's why he changed different projects and was coming up with different ideas. I'm not sure. So I felt tremendously sad. Yeah, incredibly sad. He would he would send me music. He'd give me music CDs that he you know he'd recorded. He'd recorded these albums. He was writing a play, or he'd done a play. He was doing a PhD on the fact that football today to get the same art and beauty and time that we had in the in his era would have to now be seven aside. He'd obviously done his medical degree. He was an absolute, total and utter polymath and renaissance man. And, um, yeah, very, very, very sad. And um, I'm just, but I'm very glad that I met him. And I hoped he'd found some sort of peace in some way. Um, he was an extraordinary man and a different man to sit with him, you know, on an e you know three four hours in an evening over dinner and then afterwards it was a complete education not just in football but in life and I think he felt underappreciated in Brazil and I hoped in our little way and what we'd done here we'd showed him how we appreciated him and loved him. 
So bohemianism took over in the life of Socrates. The Brazilian legend who revolutionized his club and country was looking for a purpose in life after his career as a player ended. He didn't find it, but at least he enjoyed the ride. And even though his life was shorter than it could have been, he had more impact than most players ever will, both on and off the pitch. This was the story of the Brazilian legend Socrates at Garforth Town. I want to thank Simon Clifford, Greg Kelly and Andrew Downey for their time. Subscribe to this podcast to never miss an episode. My name is Sam van Raten. Thank you for listening and on to the next story in the home of football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.